0: This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. One of the ways to delete some of the debts that the U.S. has incurred is to make the government run more effectively. And you can look at agencies across the board as part of this problem. The IRS is one agency that could provide much more tax revenue to U.S. coffers if it collected tax revenue at a higher rate than it currently does. A recent opinion piece in the Washington Post looks at exactly how. It is co-authored by Natasha Sarin, who's an assistant professor of law at the University of Pennsylvania, along with former Treasury Secretary Lawrence Summers. A pleasure to have Natasha joining us right now. Natasha, thanks very much for your time.
1: Thanks so much for having me.
0: Thank you. So the focus here is, is, IR, is on the IRS, but is it safe to say that the failures here could be replicated, I would imagine, in other forms of the government as well?
1: Yeah, so it's really quite interesting. Larry and I have been writing primarily about tax compliance for the last several months, but there's something to be said for the focus of the country right now on the injustices of how the law enforcement system works. And in that respect, a lot of what we're talking about has to do with the way to do policing properly and fairly uh, and appropriately. But it's quite interesting that on on a totally different setting with respect to how taxes are collected by the government, you see the same kinds of inequities in the system, which is that for regular, ordinary people, people who earn wage income from their jobs, they fully pay their taxes automatically because yeah. they're withheld by the government, uh, by their employers and paid to the government. But with respect to high-income people who accrue ta- who accrue income in sort of opaque ways, people who have sole proprietorships or people who make a lot of rental income, a lot of dividend income, that tax revenue, is that, that income is much less clearly visible to the government and thus much more difficult to collect. And so this is a case in which tax evasion is accruing totally disproportionately by the rich in a case in which it's important i think and in all layers of the government to your question it's really important to make sure that we have systems that are both efficient but also fair uh to all of our citizens so
0: so how much then has the irs i guess to a degree dropped the ball and how much have they been hamstrung uh by a variety of changes that have occurred Mm -hmm. to the irs over the last couple of decades
1: I actually don't want to sound disparaging towards the IRS because they are doing truly the best they can with resources that are totally inadequate. In the last decade, the IRS's budget has been gutted by 15 percent. Its enforcement personnel has been uh, has been slashed by 22 percent. So they, ju- and that's in a world in which. Taxes and especially sort of income that accrues to these like very high income wealthy earners is becoming more and more difficult uh, to police. And so, what really must happen, and we've talked about this in this season, we've talked about this extensively, is a commitment by the government uh, to by the by the government through greater budgetary outlays to the IRS to giving them the resources that they need to do tax collection effectively. And we just aren't in that place right now. The software systems that the IRS uses are the single oldest in the entire U.S. government. They haven't been updated since the 60s. (laughs) And that's in a world in which it used to be the case that people sent paper tax filings in. Now over 90% of taxes are filed electronically. So clearly, we need much more investment in this dimension. And clearly, what you're seeing and what we've seen in the last decade is as the IRS's resources to be able to pursue tax evasion have been depleted, there is a one-for-one one decrease in the amount of taxes that they are able to collect. So we know what the problem is, and we know how to solve it. It just requires a commitment to do so.
0: By doing so, you're, you're able to recoup a... a I would imagine, a significant amount uh, every year. You're obviously putting the investment in, but then you're getting back a, you know, a measured amount on that.
1: Absolutely. The direct consequences of a $1 investment in the IRS are estimated to be $3 of revenue. But that's just the direct consequences, because think about it realistically. If you are a high-income person who's evading your taxes and you see your friend getting audited by the IRS, you're going to be more careful in how you file your taxes. And so these indirect effects are three times as large. And what we estimate in our work is that a $1 – and it's naive, certainly naive – but we suggest that a $1 investment in the IRS can raise $12 of government revenue. And that is clearly – I mean, that's like the kind of project that if you were the CEO of a company, you would be <laughs> signing up for. Right. Uh, and. What we say in the paper is that, listen, today, 15 percent of taxes aren't collected, that are uh, 15 percent of tax revenue that is owed to the government is just simply not collected. In a decade, if we get serious about tax compliance and we only collect 15 percent of what is missing, that is over one trillion dollars in extra revenue for the government. And there are estimates that it can be around $1.5, $1.6 trillion. That's money we need, period, independently to support the fact that the population is aging and we need much more investment in social programs. But now that we've been hit by this COVID crisis, that's required exceptional amounts of government sort of uh, investment in order to try and Sort of support the most vulnerable populations in this country. This need for revenue is, if anything, even stronger.
0: But you also talk about the underreporting of uh, of income as as a significant problem as well.
1: Exactly, it's sort of so the underreporting is kind of really interesting because with respect to tax evasion, there are a bunch of tricks you can play if you accrue income in these kind of hidden sources to underreport. How much income you make but the tax evasion that was that's kind of the easiest to detect if you're the IRS is people just not even filing their taxes and even in those cases when it is so straightforward that someone just didn't file their taxes we know who they are and we know they haven't filed the IRS is still only working a third of high-income non-reporting cases. And the most recent estimates that came out last month that Larry and I were responding to were that between 2014 and 2016, that cost the government $50 billion in revenue. And what's even more striking is that nearly a quarter of this $50 billion, so over $10 billion, is attributable in each year to just the 100 most egregious non-filing cases. So 100 really wealthy people who are just not filing their taxes – or a couple hundred, because it's a hundred each year, are costing the U.S. government ten billion dollars over three years. So, how can we not work those cases, and how can we not give the IRS the resources it needs to do so?
0: So then, does the responsibility for the the slashing of the budget how, how much does that fall on the particular administration that was in office? I mean, if we're going back a decade, you're talking about a you know a couple of administrations that 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 played a role in this.
1: Listen, there has been a – and there's been a lot written about this. Jesse Eisenberg has some great work uh, that he's done for ProPublica and exactly at this point. There has been a decade-long crusade against the IRS that has sort of happened by congressional leadership, primarily congressional leadership on the right, that has demonized and villainized this agency and as a result deprived it of the resources that it needs to do its job. And so if I were thinking about, you know, if I were clean and able to focus on the tax reform agenda in uh, the next administration, compliance and investment in the IRS to be able to do its job effectively is a no-brainer from a matter of efficiency and from a matter of equity and from a matter of revenue raising. It is the obvious place to start with respect to how to make our tax system function more effectively.
0: And it's not necessarily, it sounds like, Natasha, that we're talking about the need for an increase in taxes. It's just the collection of the taxes that already were kind of due by people in in general if that money had come in, you're talking about, you know, X amount that, that could be going to a variety of different programs that would uh, would be able to help uh, various elements of the country out.
1: Yeah, that's really what is most what is quite striking to me. So I'm sure you've seen uh, and many of your listeners have listened to debates that have been happening over the course of this presidential election cycle around really quite radical changes to how taxes are collected, things yeah. like. Much higher individual tax rates, things like uh, wealth taxes for the very rich. And what is it? We might very well need those sorts of changes, and especially given the revenue needs that we are facing today, given the expenditure that's happened with respect to the corona crisis. But you can get much more money without raising taxes at all just by collecting the money that is already owed to the government. And what's even more interesting is that revenue will be progressively raised. It comes disproportionately from the very wealthy and very high earners who are cheating the system. And so it seems obvious to me that before we think about whether we need revenue from sort of really radical uh changes in how taxes are collected that may or may not end up being very administrable. Well, here is a way to do the first thing, which is let's collect taxes that are already due to the government and let's do it in a way. And we outline it in our work. Let's do it in a way that focuses on the most egregious uh, sort of contributors to the tax gap who are the very wealthy.
0: We're joined by Natasha Sarin, uh, assistant professor of law at the University uh, of Pennsylvania. What then is the is kind of the formula to fix it? Because uh, obviously, I think for. For some people out there, the idea of, uh, of having better collection, and as you've alluded to it, it, it doesn't sit well on, on parts of Capitol Hill. Uh, it doesn't sit part uh, sit well in parts of, uh, of the public in general. What's the path to be able to try and, and, and get a more effective IRS?
1: Listen, there are two sort of factors that I think about with respect to how this can actually take place. So on the one side, what I'm very grateful to actually with respect to the recent debate around uh, tax reform is some of the ideas that have been proposed have really expanded the Overton window, the like possibility set of what we ever thought was feasible. And what that means is that because we're talking about things like wealth taxes, because we're talking about uh, accrual taxes on capital gains, Ideas that have been sort of in the back burner and have been sort of thought of as controversial or thought of as sort of extreme are now well within the world that feels kind of moderate or traditional with respect to tax reform. So I really think this is a particularly unique moment uh, and one in which we can, and I'm already seeing it, develop a bipartisan coalition that's going to be interested in this kind of investment. But what's really important and what we should do, if our work is sort of around a bunch of naive calculations about how much we can realistically raise with a greater investment in tax compliance. But what we don't spend as much time doing but will be very important in this effort is that it's not the case that you can just magically hand the IRS the sort of uh, budgetary outlays that it needs, and all of a sudden tomorrow it's going to be able to close the tax gap. Sure, yeah. because it requires investment. It requires sort of training officers who are going to be able to deal with these very complicated returns. And yeah. it's going to be a long term process. And so we need not only a bipartisan coalition that's excited about this. We need sustained support for the IRS.
0: And it sounds like it's a little bit like the, the old version, Natasha, of kicking the can down the road. And really, nobody wants to grab the can and stop it and actually take a deeper look into what investment uh, really should be made.
1: And that's kind of what Larry and I are trying to do in our work. It is exactly this. We are kind of trying to outline this is how you do a robust investment in tax compliance. These are the number of audits you do of very high-income people and almost a blueprint for the kind of approach that is going to end up being effective in practice. And I think – and it's not just us. There's been great work by Seth Hanlon Uh, at CAP, who's done exactly a version of this as well, I think the sort of intellectual consensus in the tax reform community is that there's a lot of debate about what all we need to do, uh, but I think the world agrees that better tax compliance and making sure people pay the taxes that they owe is first order. And there's debate about how much you can actually raise from doing that, but because the consensus is this is first order, I have a lot of optimism about our ability to actually get it done.
0: Great having you with us, Natasha. Thanks very much for your time. All the best.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Natasha Saran, Assistant Professor of Law here at the University of Pennsylvania. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.